So hey guys, welcome back, and today we have a podcast that you are going to love. And I know I say that every time, but today is a podcast I've been waiting for for a long time. It's going to cover a place that we've all seen, many of us know about, and many of us don't, and we're going to talk about it today. Uh, Today's guest is Mark Sankey. And uh, we'll be talking to Mark about his life and where he works and what he does. Before we do so, uh, don't forget about Tombstone Epitaph, one of Arizona's longest-running newspapers at tombstoneepitaph.com. I urge you to subscribe, to uh, get it delivered right to your door. The biggest and brightest uh, names in Western history, uh, as far as researchers and writers, uh, are contributing to the Tombstone Epitaph. It's a newspaper, about 25 pages, gets delivered right to your door. You can't miss it. You want to get it to your door and read it. And of course, Bob Bo's Bell is in the middle with artwork and stories. You can subscribe by going to tombstoneepitaph.com. Uh, also, my second family over at the Wild West History Association at wildwesthistory.org. Uh, coming up in July 2024 will be Fort Smith, Arkansas. Our annual roundup will be at Fort Smith, Arkansas. We're going to look at the fort. We're going to go to the new museum. I think it's a U.S. Marshals Museum in Fort Smith, Arkansas. And you're going to want to be a member. I mean, who doesn't want to be a member and uh, get uh, Wild West history through the journal delivered right to your door? It's 100-plus pages of authenticated uh, history with true provenance delivered to your door in a beautiful journal. Uh, no ads, nothing crazy in there, 100% true Western history, and I urge you to join by going to wildwesthistory.org. So in 2020, 2019, I think it was 2020, there were some rumblings about a place in near Benson, Arizona, and there was rumblings about this place being purchased by a prominent family in Cochise County. And a man was hired. His name is Mark Sankey, and that's who we have on the phone today. And Mark Sankey was hired. uh, He may not, he'll have to tell you the story. It may not have been right from the very beginning, but it was pretty darn close to lead up uh, media, media relations, social media, marketing, like all sorts of stuff. And he was also involved in uh, the rebuilding of this iconic place. And of course, we're talking about the Mezcal movie set. Now, before we get into Mezcal and movie set and how Mark got involved, Mark's got a pretty, pretty cool job. Like I said, he's, he's the director of marketing and media for the Mezcal movie set. Uh, he also owns a website called ExploreTucsonMountains.com. Is that still active? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, explore. He's listening right now, going, "I, I got, I got a great repertoire." Uh, ExploreTucsonMountains.com. Uh, he was also the owner of Coal Creek Marketing. He was on the guest service team. He was a guest service team lead at Old Tucson, uh, which was uh, a western town. Uh, uh, out west of Tucson. It was also a movie set. Uh, he was for a while the president of Helaware LLC. He's smart too. He's really smart. Uh, he has a BA, a bachelor's degree from Kent State, uh, and he's from Youngstown, Ohio. I love Ohio, and I'm a huge fan of Ohio, and I love going there and visiting there. I was just there recently. I was in Chagrin Falls, if you know where that is, and um God, it's such a beautiful place. Welcome, Mark. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, Mike. Glad to talk to you. All right. Can we get you to speak up a little bit? Yeah, I'm doing well, Mike. Glad to talk to you. There you go. So you, um, you've um, you been involved in marketing since your degree. That's really what you've been doing for a long time. And then you moved from from Ohio. You probably moved to other places. Tell us a little bit about you. Well, you know, I grew up in Ohio, Browns fan, Indians fan, when you're allowed to say Indians fan, and uh, uh, went to Kent State, moved to Pittsburgh, had a job selling windows, and uh, visited my brother out in Arizona who went to ASU, and uh, went back, quit my job, packed the car up, moved up to Tempe, 
and uh, that's that was 43 years ago. And uh, it basically changed my life around uh, becoming a Westerner and uh, have never looked back, never wanted to move back. So you just basically came from Ohio and just came west? Yeah, well, Pittsburgh for a year and then moved to Tempe uh, in 1980, was there till 99, and then I moved down to Tucson. And I've been in Tucson ever, you know, since 99. So how did you end up at... Old Tucson. Was it an ad in the paper? Did you know somebody? How did you end up over there? Well, I uh, had my last business, my brother and I owned. We always sold both businesses. And I basically retired and was looking for something to do. Uh, When we had moved to Tucson, one of the first things we did when my kids were young, we got an annual pass at Old Tucson. We used to go out there all the time. Uh, In fact, as they got older, I would just give them some money in walkie-talkies. This was before cell phones. And they would just wander around town, and and my wife and I would just keep in touch with them uh, over the walkie-talkies. We were there so often, a lot of the actors knew my kids and would walk by and say, oh, you know, they're over at the cars or that type of thing. So once I retired, I thought, well, I want to find something fun to do. And I just answered an ad and went in and interviewed. I really kind of wanted to be an historian and do the uh, do the tours, uh, but there was no openings in that. And so I just got hired into guest services, which uh, essentially was working in the stores and front gate and, and that type of thing. Uh, and it was a lot of fun. I mean, it was uh, a great place to work. And you, you, everybody that comes onto that uh, into the park there was happy to be there. So it was a, it, you worked with a lot of interesting people and the guests were always great to work with but then <laughs> dun, dun, dun. but then the park closed what happened there well i was only there about a year and a half and then covid hit um and with covid restrictions on how many people could be allowed uh onto the the park and how many people could be in each store and that type of thing there was no way the ownership could keep it going without losing the losing their shirt so from what i understand is that they had a, a year or two left in the lease and uh, the county left let them uh, out of the out of the lease early um and so the the park essentially shut down after uh Years and years of being open and being a, a Tucson fixture, which uh, was real devastating to a lot of people, and in particular, a lot of the people that had been working at Old Tucson. Hmm. So it's everybody old, hanging. So Old Tucson closes, and there was really yes. like nothing going on at that time. I mean, as far as because a lot of people, some of the people I know personally, they were kind of in limbo. And there's a family uh, in Cochise County, the Karchner family. I believe they've been in, in Cochise County five generations. They are, they are a part of Cochise County history as anything that there ever is or was in Cochise County. The Karchners are very well known, extremely respected. Um, they're the ones behind, I think somebody in their family... Uh, was one of the founders of the Karchner Caverns. And this place called Mezcal, talk about Mezcal, like it was moving along and it closed. Well, Mezcal was was owned by Old Tucson and it was a satellite set. And unlike Old Tucson, which was uh, an attraction, also a theme park, Mezcal was primarily always a movie set. Yeah, they may op- they may have opened it up occasionally for tours and such, but it was basically off limits to the public. Uh, Mescal was on state land on a film lease. And uh, when uh, Old Tucson closed down, according to the lease, if you are no longer actively filming, uh, the state would, the state lease required it to be turned back into its original state, meaning all those old buildings and all those uh, that historic set would have had to been raised and removed. Uh, and so I know that I was not involved in the process, but the Diamonds were, were trying to sell it or find somebody to take it over. Um, and that's where the, the Karshner stepped up. Um, what's, what's interesting is that they walked into that plan with a lot of research on what to do and how to do it. It was bought in one meeting. 
and it happened to be Valentine's Day of, Mar- of uh, February 2021. So in one meeting with uh, Diamond Ventures, they opted to save that set and preserve that set. And we tease uh, uh, Jake and JJ that that's a Valentine's uh, Day gift that Jake gave to her, and uh, he's going to be paying for a long time. <laughs> well, so I, I'm, I've got to imagine the Karchner family, they created a business called Karchner Ventures. Yes. Had they not gone out at all to seeing the place? I mean, sure that there was discussion and maybe they were all looking at each other like we got it because it's down at the end of a road. I've been down that road many times and I used to go down that road and go one day I'm going to be on that site. I'm going to be there. And, but there was nobody there to maintain it. And I'm not one to cross a sign that says private property. And there were signs that saying, you know, monitored by cameras. And I'm like, Ooh, I'm not going on the site. Did they, were they going by it and looking at it and saying one day, or was it just a phone call? Like, Hey, you guys, I got this thing. You need to see it, and I think you want it. The well, they were friends with the director of revenue of Old Tucson, who yeah. happened to be lived in lived in Benson and such. And she's the one that approached them and say said, "You need to take a look at this." Uh, now, being that the Karchners are ranchers. Uh, and knew the the ranch that surrounded the set and such. They were well aware of the movie set. Uh, I honestly don't know how many times they were there. Um, I had, they never indicated it was something that they always wanted. It was something that when they found out that there was a chance that that was going to be bulldozed, that was just against all the principles that they stand for. He's like, that was such a vital part of Cochise County history, a vital part of of didn't want to see that lost and it basically they just stepped up to save it with with no game plan no business plan of what are we going to do with this they just felt that we can't let this just go away and then and, and basically crumble and blow out into the desert so they just stepped up and bought it but then <laughs> but then some they, the Karchner did something that many people wouldn't do and they opened up Mezcal to the public not to view it but they said come help us like sign up go on this website we'll send you this waiver and come help us we need your help like we can't do this alone and People from all over Arizona and the country showed up on specific days that they were to come and volunteer and basically begin the process of sometimes tearing down and sometimes rebuilding. Like, what was the discussion about that? Um, Well, I came in like any other volunteer, but... um they essentially bought a town. I mean, it wasn't just like buying the, some new, a new home or anything like that. They bought 28 buildings and they had 28 leaky roofs and 28 bad foundations. Uh, a lot of people think that, uh, they're filthy rich, uh, that they own Karchner caverns, which they don't. don't. It's, it's named after their grandparents. Um, so they, they, they were able to pick up the, the set, but they don't really have a deep enough pockets to put the millions in to really rebuild that uh, so they reached out to the community they reached out to uh, people that are uh, that follow western movies and are passionate about western movies and basically sent out a plea that hey we need some help uh, this is a, a worthwhile project and in the, the community and uh, and people responded uh, and there were lots of volunteers and, and you and I sweated together, uh, out there. Um, and, and basically put together a volunteer workforce that came out to help save, preserve and, 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 uh, restore as many of these buildings as we can and, and make the place safe. Uh, a lot of film productions didn't want to come out and film there because there were glass and 
buildings had fallen all down and who knows what type of critters crawling around. And uh, so they basically put a team together and made it a community effort to uh, preserve Mescal. Well, I can I can say firsthand that we came out in the summer of 2021 and my wife and I came out for the day, actually for the weekend, and uh, we met amazing people. And and some of the people there we're still friends with. Uh, Kevin Little, if you're still listening to this, Kevin is in uh, Casa Grande and we become friends and uh, uh, we don't see each other often. But because of that event, when my wife and I showed up and we walked the streets of Mezcal, we were like, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> it was like, yeah. are you kidding? And, and uh, the cartoons, they set up inside the saloon. I think that was, I can't remember the movie that was filmed, uh, the saloon. And uh, was it the one with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio? The Quick and the Dead. Quick and the Dead. I think the saloon from the Quick and the Dead was there. And... Um, and I just remember walking in this room and they were like, we're going to start tearing stuff down. We need to get this pile of wood over to this pile. And then we need to start getting nails out and broken glass. And oh, by the way, I remember this. Oh, by the way, there's a possibility of snakes. Well, Kevin was like, oh, my God, I'm ready to see a snake, which we did. We uh, they we pulled some bottom boards and there was a huge rattlesnake. It was huge, underneath some boards and uh, somebody. Um, what's uh, I, I don't remember the first name, but uh, he's the he's the law enforcement officer on the border. Um, that's a Karchner. Uh, Jake. Jake. So Jake came over and Jake's like. Oh, I got this. And he literally picked it up and not picked it up, but knew exactly what to do. And Jake took it away and we were like, what? But there was so much. When when the volunteers got going, at any time did the Karchners, along with yourself and other people, look at each other and go, we made a huge mistake. <laughs> there, were, there were a lot of times at the end of the day we're sitting around what the hell do we get ourselves into here i mean uh and the more you tore into things uh the worst it looked to tell you the truth you know um uh, when they built those sets uh there were no building codes those were props um uh, so they were slapped together never with the idea that they would be lasting 40 or 50 years so um every day was a surprise every time you you tear something apart or clean something up there seemed to be a surprise but uh but people hung in there i mean they the passion that the, the volunteers had uh, and have today is is amazing well as we're talking we're talking to mark sankey he is sankey he is the uh, director of media for Mezcal, the movie set out in Cochise County. Um, I was reading about some of the history. Now, if you want to find out more about the history, please go to the website. It's MezcalMovieset.com. MezcalMovieset.com. Now, the reason I really want you guys to focus on the Mezcal movie set is because MezcalMovieset.com is they do tours. But do not show up out of the blue and say, I'm here, because you will get turned away if they're recording or filming a movie or a TV show or a short or whatever they're doing. You could very well get turned away and all your travel plans will be ruined. So please go to mezcalmovieset.com. You can see what's going on. There's, uh, It's a great website, tons of information, um, including the film history. Uh, it says in here that, Nearly um, over 70 years of movies and scenes have been filmed at Mezcal, including Winchester 73 with Jimmy Stewart, uh, The Big Country with Gregory Peck, Cimarron with Glenn Ford. Uh, looks like in 1969, it was the movie set for Monty uh, Walsh with Lee Marvin and Jack Palance, Dirty Dingus McGee, Poker Alice, uh, also, The Life and Times of Judge Roy Bean. I got to go back and watch that movie. Fantastic movie. Uh, the Outlaw of Josie Wales with Clint Eastwood uh, and Tom Horn with Steve McQueen, along with Tombstone, which we'll talk about here in a minute. 
Um, the music videos have been filmed there. Uh, Stagecoach and uh, was also a set for the, uh, the Gambler with Kenny Rogers. There's also a TV series including Bonanza, Gunsmoke, The Magnificent Seven, Little House on the Prairie, and The Young Riders. Uh, also TV uh, shows including The Sackets, Maverick, and Buffalo Soldiers with Danny Glover. There's just It just goes on and on and on. And you can actually go into the website and see the filmography that's there. It's just, it, I Married Wyatt Earp. Um, and there was even a show that recently made it that I do not see in the in the um in the uh your bio and on Southwest Airlines I fly Southwest Airlines there was a a, a Southwest Airlines produced and directed film short film that was made there just for people flying Southwest a coming of age movie and um uh, so there's a lot going on at Mezcal Please, please, please go to MezcalMovieset.com. Do not show up for a tour. Tours may be uh, closed and canceled for the day if they're filming, and we don't want your travel plans to be ruined. When um, Mezcal is starting the rebuild process, many buildings were not saved because of the amount of damage and rot, and the condition. Was it a general discussion which ones were going to have to be saved? And was it a general discussion that said, these buildings have to be saved no matter what? We actually went into it trying to save each and every building, if possible. Mm -hmm. um, and so there, there was never a time that I recall that uh, we decided, well, it's early on that, oh, we're not going to do work on this one, we'll work on that one. Um, you know, the first steps were trying to make it as safe as possible. Um, but as we tore into the buildings and worked on it, there was obvious that some could not be saved. Uh, we've only lost a couple. Um, and there was a cafe at the end of the street that was just too far gone. Um, the Buffalo Soldiers Calvary Fort, there was every intent on, on saving it, but it's a large building. Uh, it's two stories, and the foundation is just so far gone that, uh, and there's so much weight involved that uh, we, we we can't save that one. But we basically started on one end of the street uh, and valued every building, and kind of working our way down, um, and and basically trying to kind of work with foundations first, uh, and then and then looking at roofs and and trying to get as many of the obvious leaks uh, uh, patched up as we can and then start working in between and, and fixing walls and, and that type of thing. So uh, there are some of the buildings that you, you might say we value more than others that maybe were involved in the movie Tombstone or Paul Newman, uh, Clint Eastwood uh, acted in that uh, were naturally very valued to to us and, and the people that visit. Uh, you know, even Frank Sinatra was on set for Dirty Dingus McGee. So every building as you walk down the street has this history of famous actors, famous movies, famous scenes. So uh, the effort was really to, to save each and every one of them. Um, and, you know, we go back and we do have a, a library of photographs and such. Uh, none of us are set designers. None of us really came from the film industry. Uh, so we really rely on a lot of the old photographs um, of what the, the old time set designers created and put together. And it's not like we try to totally match exactly the way the building looked, but we try to, to go back to, so it looks as, as similar as we can, because, you know, as the movie said, the next movie may come out and say, Hey, we want to change this. We want to do that. Um, so you have to have some flexibility and realize that. You paint a building, well, a movie may come in and want to paint that a totally different color. Um, so it's just, it's an ongoing process where there's really, I mean, we have a plan, but there's really not this hardcore master plan that goes building by building and day by day on what we're doing. Um, a lot of it is, is that we react to save buildings when we see 
a heavy wind come through and cause some damage, that building becomes a priority to save it. And then we also have uh, just uh, restorative things that we need to do to make the set more attractive to productions as they come in to try and entice productions to, to use the set. Well, I was on the crew, I think, that took out the cafe um, that was down at the end of the street. And, and I could well, be wrong. Um, because the, we, we did the, end the up cafe picking... Actually, the that? cafe actually blew over. The oh, cafe, it did. Yeah, we didn't put much effort. It was pretty far gone. Oh, gotcha. uh, we were still talking to David, and uh, it did blow over in the wind. However, we did save the uh, the porch, the, the boardwalk that was in front of that, and moved it over. And we actually created a little mining shack that... Um, the back end of uh, Paul Newman's Jersey Lily had pretty much collapsed, but there was a small structure that the, the bones had remade. So we pulled it out and we pulled the, the, the deck off the cafe and we put them together and created a new building uh, to replace something that was very good. So we salvage as much as we can uh, and try to maintain the history as much as we can. I'm thinking about it now. It was a jail. And I remember it was, there was a discussion because before we took the jail down, it was a real dilapidated jail way at the far end of town. And we we got the laughing because they had taken, and they're smart. Movie people are smart to how they can make stuff look great on camera and use as little as possible. They took PVC pipe and they spray painted it black and then made those bars and the windows and the doors. And we thought that is pretty damn clever that somebody said if we spray paint spray paint PVC pipe black on film it'll look like the bars on a jail. And I remember the jail it was just a real dilapid. I think it was just a face front and we took that down but it was interesting to walk down there with because in your in your uh, volunteer sheet it was bring as many tools as you can. Well, I will, I brought saws and battery-operated tools and stuff. And I'll tell you what's so crazy is I brought tools down, all my DeWalt tools down. And I know some people are going to listen. Well, of course, nobody took them because they're DeWalt. And it, the, thought, the, the reason I'm saying this is there were so many people there. And my tools were everywhere, everywhere. Not one was stolen. And I think that was people that were there were there because they truly wanted to be there. And there was such a sense of camaraderie that like nothing came up missing. And at the end of the day, all everybody laid out their tools on the boardwalk and I'm like picking them up and putting my stuff away. Nothing came up missing. Nothing. Even the littlest thing. That I had, like saw blades, none of them came up missing. Crazy for a group that big. And we had a huge group that day on that weekend. I think it was the second weekend. Um, there was a point where in on my weekend of volunteer, there was discussion about how to raise buildings. Because the buildings had, and the floors had dropped, like you said, they were built not with code, but they were just built for a movie, and then they walked away, I don't give a crap. But there was a discussion amongst many of the men, Jake was leading this, about how are we going to raise buildings, shore them up, and level them up? What are some of the ways... And things that have happened that were so far out of the ordinary in the rebuilding process that you and the team have learned, like how to do things, like crazy things that maybe that were, I don't know if this is going to work, we're going to try it. <laughs> it was uh, it was overwhelming at first because naturally when you're on a basically a construction site, a restoration site, uh, and, and the people that came in, and a lot of the people were uh, uh, retired carpenters or, or still carpentry, and they're all thinking 
codes and inspections and that type of thing. And uh, that's not that's, it's, it's important to build things safe and durable. You don't want anything that's unsafe and such, but you have to get that kind of out of your mind and because we're not dealing with anything that's built in a conventional manner. Um, there's a running joke as we work on something, you know, does that look level? And we say, well, it's a half a bubble off, good enough, because everything was so crooked there. But uh, going into the foundations, you you basically, you, you, you strip the skirting off around there and you've got to see what condition um, those uh, that, that support that is underneath. And uh, uh, none of those buildings were built on concrete. Uh, according to the lease, if you pour a concrete foundation, it's considered permanent, and uh, the buildings have to be considered to be props. So, when the productions came out, they just they just laid these down on the on the ground, uh, just wood in contact with the with the dirt and exposed to you know to the rain, the termites, and that type of thing. So, um, and they would level out, or a corner would rot off, and that type of thing. So, you just have to identify where where is the wood structure strong enough that you could that you could maybe put a, a jack under and then start lifting that up uh you can't you know you may have had to raise that building a foot or a foot and a half and you can't do that all at one time you've got to do it a couple inches at a time and let it let it settle and, and and react and then come back and raise it up again and then we bring in our block and and such and uh you, you kind of start on one side or one corner and and move around and, and put some stringers in to support that base and 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 basically get it off the ground a little bit at a time uh, like the redemption the big saloon that was in quick in the dead uh one side of that they had a raised a good eight to 12 inches. The other side, when they built that bar, um, it was just hanging on the wall. You know, that weight hanging on the wall. And uh, we had to basically take that weight off that wall as it drug it down. And then we had to get in underneath the building and uh, support the weight of that bar from underneath and essentially take that weight off the wall. So um, every little building kind of became a little engineering thing on how to figure that out. And as the, as the guys got more experience, for example, uh, we rebuilt Virgil Earp's house uh, that Sam Elliott was in in Tombstone. And that was just in a, in a very poor condition. The backside of it had basically totally collapsed. And it took us months to, to work that out um, because it was a learning curve. Um, and we had a movie come out that wanted to use the Young Riders bunkhouse and we had short order to get that in place and actually build a second floor. And everybody was saying, well, how, you know, it took us months to do Virgil Herbs. How are we going to do this one in a couple of weeks? And, you know, by God, they went out there and within a week and a half or so, they had that thing totally uh, rebuilt, had a second floor on it. And uh, it basically looks like a brand new building. So experience taught a lot of these guys on the best way to work in, in these types of conditions. And you, you had guys that, out that had a lot of, of uh, construction experience. And you had other guys that were maybe beginners or intermediate. But as they've come out and learned how to do things, some of the guys that started out with just some basic carpentry skills now are becoming highly skilled on, on working on these restorations. So, so it's been fun to watch. The other thing's been fun to watch is as guys come out, and we, we didn't know each other for the most part coming out, but you develop these, these very close friendships and it's been great watching the project teams where you guys got these buddies that have come together and become great friends. And we got guys that are sort of specialists in, in windows and doors and other guys that are great with, with deckings and stair, stairways and, and that type of thing. And it's just sort of a natural flow how they worked into teams where guys became buddies or, had, you know, they worked together real well. And there was sort of a natural progression to, to teams. And uh, we keep a manual on, on things that need to be need to be done and uh, these guys come in and basically work on what's the most important thing but also what they want to do um and it's been it's been a a great thing to watch and uh um we just have an outstanding project team out there that they work their butts off and we're all volunteers out there 
uh, all the money that we get from productions or events or for tours goes right back to the set. Uh, there are no salaries. The cartooners aren't taking anything out of it. It just goes right back to rebuilding this thing and, and uh, getting it back into, into prominence. So when we got to exploring, which we did, many of the volunteers, <laughs> including myself and other men, we started to explore the movie set. We were just like, oh my God, I got to check this out. Like, when am I going to come this way again? And we found a machine backed by the OK Corral. At first, we thought it was an in-house sprinkler system for firefighting until we realized it was fake rain. Is, or, or was it a part of the fire suppression system? It was a fire suppression system. Um, there is a well on site out behind the Redemption uh, Saloon. And if, if fans have seen that movie and you see that there's a second level there that's built up with the stairway, and if you really know the movie where the chalkboard was uh, in that movie, underneath there are two 2,500-gallon tanks. And next to that building was a pump that went out to eight fire suppression stations that were hidden on set. So at one time, uh, if the fire broke out, I mean, they had fire hoses and everything, uh, they could combat that fire in that system. Now, unfortunately, that system is too far gone. Um, and it, it cannot be salvaged. Uh, but those water tanks uh, are still under that uh, uh, saloon, and they could be uh, filled up and tapped into. And if we had a fire truck out there, they could they could draw off that to fight a fire. Um, but our our fire protocol is is basically get get offset, get all the guests offset, and be safe. Um, we, we do have fire extinguishers, uh, throughout the set and that type of thing. But, uh, the fire suppressant system is, is too far gone to really, to really salvage, unfortunately. Wow. That's a bummer. Cause it was pretty cool for sure. Uh, if you're wondering who yeah. we're talking to, we're talking to Mark Sankey. He is the director of media, uh, public relations for Mezcal movie set out near Benson, Arizona. Uh, I urge you to go to the website at Mezcal movie set. Dot com. Let's talk a little bit about the movie Tombstone, because that seems to be still um, one of the top talked about movies for Western, Westerns, I was going to say Western history, but for Westerns, True West Magazine has basically said it's the number one film of all time, um, the gunfight scene was filmed there at Mezcal. Can you talk about the movie, Tombstone, and filming of it and locations? Yeah, the, the film, 60% of Tombstone was filmed at the uh, Mezcal movie set. 20% was at Old Tucson, and then 20% in the surrounding area. Uh, the reason I know that is I watched the film with a stopwatch. Uh, and being that I worked at Old Tucson, I was familiar with that set. And I basically timed each scene and then came back so that we can go on our tours and say, quite honestly, that, you know, 60% of the film set was there. Now, one of the gentlemen that are on our advisory committee is Bob Mizorowski. Bob was one of the producers of the, uh, of the uh, film. He actually, actually lives down in Patagonia. Uh, he and I talked fairly regularly, uh, and uh, he was on set early on, and I had a chance to walk around set with him for about an hour, an hour and a half, uh, as he told us a lot of the background in that. And one of the things he said is they really wanted to make that in the town of Tombstone. That was their first choice. In fact, they approached the city and offered them uh, in what he felt was an incredible amount of money to basically close their town down for a month. Uh, so they can film it right in Tombstone. But uh, as you can imagine, uh, Tombstone's not an attraction. It's a real town, and there's businesses there and everything else. That was something they, they really couldn't do, um, even though that they were going to go in and pay each one of those uh, businesses uh, 
uh, a month, you know, to, to pay them to shut that down. Um, it was something that Tombstone couldn't do. So Bob said they basically, from there, they came up uh, onto the Moscow set, took a look at that, and basically rebuilt that set for about half of what they offered the city of Tombstone. Um, and I might add, who knew at that time that movie would become so popular? So I don't, uh, I don't think that was a bad decision on the city of Tombstone. I mean, let's face it, a lot of movies aren't that successful, and that would have been a big risk to shut your town down for a whole month to make a movie. Um, so they came up onto the set in Tombstone, and they uh, basically came in and rebuilt it. Uh, I don't know the exact dollar amount that they put into that town but they spent months and months of uh of time rebuilding that and in many ways they did try to make it look very close to the city of tombstone our our crystal palace there looks very similar to the the, the crystal palace in the 1880s and very similar to the one that stands in tombstone today very cool i love the whole thing i gotta come back I'm curious now because it's been a couple of years. Um, like we have Hell Dorado coming up, and I got to come back and and just you know see it because it's it changes all the time. Um, you have some new films being done now. Yes, we we've had last year. We did have uh, twelve productions come in, three yeah. feature films. Uh, some of them are just coming out now. Uh, the Warrant, Breaker's Law, was filmed last March. That is now out on Sling, Amazon Prime. Um, and that was the first real film that we had come out on set. That starred Neil McDonough, Dermot Moroney, Bruce Boxleitner. Uh, it was interesting because Bruce had made, I think, five films on that set. And uh, when he walked on set and... Uh, was standing there in the middle of the street. I just said, you know, welcome back to Moscow, Mr. Boxleitner. And he was so excited to get back on set. And it was just so interesting to talk. And he talked for five or ten minutes nonstop of how they filmed Gambler over here and I married Wyatt Earp and all the scenes he, that he did. And it was just it was just so neat to talk to somebody that was on set for so many of those films in the past. Um, Another movie that is now uh, out and available on Zumo, X-U-M-O, is uh, Far Haven. Um, and uh, that st- uh, starred uh, uh, Bailey Chase from uh, Longmire, uh, Marty Cove from Karate Kid, uh, and that's now available. And then it followed up with a movie called Birthright uh, with Lucas Black, and that'll be coming out uh, sometime this year. Um, so we've had, it's been fun, uh, to working with those this year. It's been a little tougher. We've had about eight or 10 productions, some music videos, some smaller independent films, uh, and the, and the strike has hurt us a bit. We were mm. scheduled to have four, fall, four films this fall. That's cut back to two. Um, but the films that dropped off will hopefully come in the spring. And I think next year, uh, we're going to be busy filming. Uh, we've got a lot of pending films uh, that uh, we're talking to, and we are starting to get some attention and notice, and uh, it's been a fun process. But uh, the, the Karshners, you know, when they bought this, they didn't they didn't buy it to say, hey, let's get into the film industry. They bought it to, to save it for its cultural importance, and, and they figured the best thing to do is to keep it as a movie set and not turn it into attraction. Um, and But at the same time, uh, they wanted to open the doors to the community and to the Western fans so that people did have the option to come in on, on tours and, and special events. I mean, we've had weddings and retirement parties, and we've had Civil War artillery demonstrations. In fact, we have one of those coming up in, in two weeks. Uh, so... Uh, unfortunately, we can't open it up on a regular basis, like a regular attraction where we're open, uh, you know, every Friday and Saturday. It's It's been difficult because I've had a schedule in between film uh, productions. And if I have a pending film, I'm hesitant to put something up on our schedule where people buy tickets and, and make their vacation plans maybe to, to, to stop and make a visit. And then I got to pull the plug and say, oh, nope, I got a film coming in. So. It's been difficult in the sense that I can only go about 60 days in advance and let people know what days were available. But uh, we, do, we do the best we can with that. Well, that's why I'm urging people to go to MezcalMovieset.com because there you can see events, tours, and history. Uh, you can actually see the spot in there about we have a, 
a ghost uh, ghost hunt event coming up, Civil War artillery coming up. Uh, it also shows upcoming events as well as uh, book a tour. So if you are thinking about going to Mezcal, please go to movie. Uh, excuse me, MezcalMovieset.com. Book the tour. Do it right. Do not show up because there's a very good chance you will be turned away, especially if they've got something going on on set or they're filming or a commercial, whatever. Whatever's going on um, that they have to close it. Like I said, we do not, Mark and I do not want to see you make that trip down to Cochise County and then get turned away. So please go to move, uh, mezcalmovieset.com. Uh, you'll see a button on there for book a tour. When you tap on the link for book a tour, it's going to give you dates. It's going to give you times. It's going to say things like dress for the weather, no firearms, no pets. It's going to give you a list of things to do, tips. There's all sorts of stuff that's there for you to book a tour. So please, again, go to mezcalmovieset.com. Mike, we kind of have a running joke. Uh, don't be a Griswold from the movie Vacation and drive all the way down and find the uh, and find the gate closed and 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 such. So you're definitely right. Um, unfortunately, we can't Google. Google will say we're open every Friday and Saturday, and I I, I can't get in there to change that or have any any set schedule. They don't present that option. So please go to the website. Don't rely on on Google or other. Uh, event websites go directly to the Moscow Movie Set to get the most accurate uh, schedule. And if you decide to do that and you do make a trip of it, please, there are tons of hotels that are down in Cochise County. So Sierra Vista is a great place to stay the night. There's some great hotels. Spend your money in Cochise County. There's some terrific restaurants. Um, there's tons of hiking. Tombstone is close by. There's hotels over in the town of Wilcox. Uh, you can stay down in Douglas. There's places to stay. And, of course, you can stay in tu uh, Tucson. There's tons of hotels in Tucson and great places to eat. So if you want to make a trip of it, a weekend of it, uh, you know, plan on staying uh, and, and staying in those areas but uh, and, and explore the area. There's just so much fun. And, and for me, I, I love Cochise County, and uh, I'm, I'm a part of it, and it's a part of me, and I just, uh, I just adore that area. What what is the future for Mezcal? It, I'm sure that somewhere the family, the Karchners, you, the the board, what whoever runs Mezcal has said, okay, we're done with this. It's ever changing. What's our future? Um, there 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 is never a done there a finished date. Uh, it's it's going to be a work in progress, probably for the the, the life of the set. Um, we have to save the historic buildings that are there. That's the first priority is to save what we have. But we do have uh, plans to expand the set. Right now, we have basically one major street that goes through, and the plans are to have three streets. And those are going to be interlocked with alleys. And we want to create as many uh, locations that can be used and scenes that are unique in that type of thing. Um, we want to uh, create uh, sort of a, a Mexican village and more of an adobe section. Uh, we want more houses and such. Um, as we talk to productions and producers, we're always asking them, you know, there's a lot of sets out there. New Mexico has built a lot. Is, you know, what is needed out there? And uh, we need to create a street that has more houses like the Virgil Urpa House and the Wyatt Earp House and a Mexican village. And we're looking at maybe uh, a hop town, the Chinese section town and, and that type of thing. So we're really looking at, even though it's the movie business, but the authenticity of what Western towns really look like and then trying to marry that up with what a film productions uh, look like. Uh, we have been able, the, the, the ranch that surrounds the set um, uh, came up for sale and uh, it was very difficult and the Karshners had to, to make some changes with their existing ranch, but they knew the importance of, of uh, 
of controlling the area around Mescal, and they were able to do that. So uh, they're actually running cattle, their cattle around the set now. Uh, so when they have their cattle down on that pasture, it's not uncommon to look around and see 15, 20 cows or having them come into town and such. So the Carsoners are into this for the long term. Uh, this is not a investment that they plan to turn around. Uh, this is something their son is very involved with and uh, will probably be his future. So, you know, long, long, long range plans might be a second town, a smaller town uh, built out uh, further away uh, from this existing set. So uh, it will constantly expand. And as time goes on, the repairs that, that we did in the last two years, uh, they may wear out. and We've got to, to go back to that building and, and fix that roof leak or support that foundation a little more. And it'll be like uh, painting the Golden Gate Bridge. It's just, it's a never, never ending project. Um, and hopefully as productions come in and bring out build out money, they'll help us with some of those plans. That's what we really hope, hope is to, to get the, the, the bigger projects. I mean, my goal on this and, and what we discussed with uh, the Karchners is to have another tombstone. Now, will there ever be another movie that that is an equal to Tombstone that is done in the future? Who knows? But that's our goal is to have another major uh, blockbuster movie out there that can really help us rebuild that town and and really expand it. And uh, everything we build, we're not interested in building facades. We want to build full structures, and uh, we've reached out to the community, and the community's been great as far as making donations with antiques so that uh, when these movies come in on set, we have a lot of the props. We have the dressers and the sofas and the oil lamps and a lot of that uh, type of thing that is, is needed for those productions, and it's a real asset for us because the productions don't have to go out and locate that. So we want a fully propped movie set that uh, really entices these productions to come in because it saves quite a bit on their budget. Well, you heard it. If you want to know more about movie uh, movies at Mezcal and what's going on in Mezcal, go to mezcalmovieset.com. Um, of course, um, you can get a hold of Mark there. He'll, he'll set you up. He'll get you scheduled into a tour, assuming that the uh, set is open. Um, but again, if you go to Mezcal Movie Set, and then you go into upcoming events or planning a tour. Hit the little hit the little tab, the little link. It'll bring you to book today, and you'll be able to book your tour and see Mezcal. It's definitely worth the trip. And again, if you're going to stay down there tonight, please stay in Cochise County in Tucson. Don't just rush in, rush out. There's many wonderful people. There's great dining in Benson. There's places to stay in Benson. Wilcox, Sierra Vista, Douglas. There's some fantastic people in Cochise County. And um, they would love to see you uh, bring them in, bring them, you know, bring you in for dinner, have you stay at their hotels or motels and uh, make a weekend of Cochise County. Of course, I want to thank uh, Tombstone Epitaph, Arizona's longest running newspaper. You can subscribe at tombstoneepitaph.com. My friends at the Wild West History Association at wildwesthistory.org. And then I want to thank all of you for the continued support. You can find me on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, iHeartRadio, wherever you listen to podcasts. And please leave a rating and a review. It totally helps with distribution. Uh, I thank you a bunch. And go back to, please, I believe this is the 80th podcast, which means we have 80 hours of Western history for you to listen to. So go back through into the archives back to 2019 and listen to some of those older podcasts because there's a lot of history and a lot of learning to do. And you guys, you'll be able to connect with researchers and writers and folks like Mark that want to bring uh, history, Western history, right to your door. As always, I appreciate you a bunch. Travel safe, and we'll see you soon.